Hi, I'm Livy. And I'm Farron. And this is the tip of the iceberg. This guy did way worse than I did, and he leaves every morning in a limo. Welcome back. Hello. It's been a while. It has been a while. Oh, because last week we did the poem. Right. We haven't like in a like a, over a week actually been together. Been together doing and this. done this. Yeah. So well, I'm glad that we could time. break the the podcast silence from this current environment. Yeah. I Yeah, me too. Well, we'll paint the picture for you a little bit. We are not where we normally podcast. Nope. 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 We're in a new space. Yeah, it's just how it worked out today. But so we are in one of our shelter spaces because our program can provide shelter. That's one of the things that we do. However, the last person that was in this apartment did not follow a lot of shelter guidelines. Right. Which is a nice way to say that we are currently sitting in a cloud of cigarette smoke. <laughs> right. She hasn't been here for a couple of days and yet still, still smoky. the air hangs with smoke. Yep. <laughs> Yep, it's pretty smoky. It smells um, like an old bar in here. Yeah, which is yeah. good. It's like a good environment. It's right. A, it's a good atmosphere. Sure. It's great. Well, and we have somebody sitting in on our podcast today, and it's very intentional. It's very intentional. We have our one of our favorite staff members here, and and she's here because for a stated objective, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not just like she's sitting in. Right. Do you want to tell? You want to tell them? So she is nine months pregnant, like nine and a half, due on Monday, and Livy and I are really hoping that she goes into labor on the podcast. That's right, because it's today, the day we are podcasting is my guest right. date that she will go into labor. So Livy's not taking her eyes off of Katrina. That's until right. She leaves it for today. So the second we got in this morning, <clears throat> the whole time it's been a strategy. Yep. Like, what How are we going to do? How can we get Katrina to go into labor? Because Livy's very competitive. Sure. And wants to win the bet. That's that's fine. Mm-hmm. If I win, I, I win. If I don't, then. But it, I'm going to win, so it doesn't matter. Um, and so what we're doing is we're putting her in this smoke-filled room with the sound of our voices. <laughs> And I think that'll do it, right? In hopes that the baby's like, get me out of here. I can't do it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So you may hear a small giggle from the pregnant woman in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty giggly. A little bit giggly. A little bit giggly. A little bit. But we actually have a really good story today. Yeah. So I don't know how... I'm a news junkie. So I watch the news all the time. Every day. All the time. All day. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. All the time. So... I don't know how many people are following this Jeffrey Epstein story that broke um, earlier this week, I guess. Um, And so I wanted to talk about it today because it Mm -hmm. absolutely has everything to do with the work that we do. Um, So for those who aren't super familiar, I was not super familiar. Jeffrey Epstein is a multimillionaire um, financier and mm-hmm. he has properties in Manhattan, Palm Beach. He owns an island. He has a ranch in New Mexico. So basically us. Basically us. Right. Yeah. He owns the most expensive, sorry, my computer's not muted, the most expensive um, apartment in Manhattan. Um, it's like a. How much is it? It's like $56 million. Mm. Yeah. It's huge. Pocket change. It's, a, it's huge. Um, And so, backtracking a little bit, um, in November of 2018, this woman named Julie K. Brown, who is an investigative journalist with the Miami Herald, put out a story about, it was, the headline was, how a future Trump cabinet member gave a serial sex abuser the deal of a lifetime. And this story is all about Jeffrey Epstein and um, the case against him in 2007 um, that was handled by a man named Alexander Acosta, who was a U.S. attorney in Florida, who is now the Secretary of Labor for the Trump administration. Um, so basically, I just, I just love. Sorry, I'm interrupting, but I just love journalists who break the well, break is, the ice about stuff like this. This is why it's so important to have a free press because. Right. 
basically what happened is Jeffrey Epstein is a pedophile and he is a serial sex abuser of children, not women. These were not grown women. These were girls, 14, 15 years old. Um, and he was notorious for, um, basically trafficking them. Um, it was, it was very, watching, um, news coverage of this case is very reminiscent of R. Kelly in that he would traffic these women and then he would have older women, older, he would traffic these girls and then he would have older girls go out into the community and find young girls for him to abuse, basically. I was thinking when I was, I don't, I am not as up to date on Farron, as Farron about this. Um, but I was skimming some things yeah. just in preparation for this. And I was thinking R. Kelly. Yeah. I was thinking was, there were some parallels. It's very similar to R. Kelly. And so basically what he would do is he would ask these girls to come back to his, this was all, a lot of this was happening. I mean, it was happening in New York and I assume anywhere he ever was, but this was mainly happening in Palm beach. He had a mansion in Palm beach and he was inviting these girls back to his mansion to give him what he said were massages and that he'd pay them $200. Like John Travolta. Yes. Yes. Except they would go and they were young. They were vulnerable. A lot of these girls were, I mean, one, one of the victims in particular said like he thought of them as just like stupid, poor girls. Like they weren't well to do Mm -hmm. girls with important, powerful parents, right? These were girls who he targeted because of their vulnerability. And so they would go back to his, his mansion and he would assault them. He would either rape them. He would molest them. He would grope them. He would make them do sex acts in front of him, have sex with older women in front of him. And, um, very similar to what we had heard on like leaving Neverland Mm -hmm. with, Mm -hmm. with Michael Jackson and with R Kelly both, Um, and so this had happened to like dozens and dozens and dozens of girls, like 50 plus girls. And finally, one of the girl's parents made a report because she, her parents found out that this had happened. And so this kind of blew this case wide open on this guy and what he had been doing. And he basically had like a cult like network of underage girls and female recruiters. Um, and there was a 53 page federal indictment and he could have ended up in prison for the rest of his life because this was a federal, federal crime. It was happening in multiple States and it was against children. It was trafficking of children. Well, so this is a big deal. Oh yeah. This is a giant deal. And this was in 2007. In 2007. Not that long ago. And a ton of girls were involved. A ton of grown men were involved. I mean, I want to take a second and talk about that question that we get all the time. Like, if this is happening to so many people so repeatedly, why didn't anybody say anything? So let's unpack that for a second, just briefly. If you're a 14-year-old girl and your life is hard Mm -hmm. and you go and you get repeatedly sexually assaulted by... This guy, Epstein, why wouldn't you tell anybody? And so the thing is, is the reason this is very reminiscent of R. Kelly is that a lot of, a few of these girls really had an infatuation with Epstein Mm. and he would buy them things Mm -hmm. and he would give them gifts and they, a couple of them even said they, they thought they loved him, Mm -hmm. which is what we heard from R. Kelly's victims, that they were in love with him. And so, um... I think Epstein was able to groom these girls, That's what I was right? Thinking. And do this in a way that like, it wasn't not maybe with all girls, all the girls probably didn't feel this way, but with a lot of them, I don't think that he was like this creepy, scary, gross, like mm-hmm. crazy guy. Like, I think they saw this as a really wealthy, attractive, older man who, wants to who take was care of showing them, them affection and mm-hmm. taking care of them in yeah. a way that they had never been taken care of before. When I hear that, when I hear people say like, well, if this was so bad, why didn't, why didn't anybody say anything? Yeah. Or obviously this is bad. Why didn't anybody say anything for me in my head? The difference between people speaking out and people not speaking out. Of course, there's like so many different webs as to why that might happen. But in my head, what I first jumped to is 
there was a more skillful level of grooming sure. that happened. Sure. Right? Which shows that he's really, really, I mean, this is why child sex abusers get away with it is because mm-hmm. they're good at it. Like yeah. they're good at grooming victims. Absolutely. Um, the ones who get away with it and do it over years and years and years with dozens or hundreds of victims are not the, the creepy, scary guy that nobody's going to go near. Right. No, it's not. It's not like that. No. And I think an added layer to this is when I was looking at it and it might not be the case with, with everybody, but a lot of the people that spoke out said like, I was at a really low point. Mm -hmm. Life was really hard for me. And so I think that's an added layer of really, really vulnerable and what I would assume to be marginalized populations Mm -hmm. that maybe don't have the resources to speak out. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, basically, in November of 2018, when this article came out, Julie K. Brown had done extensive, like, an extensive investigation into this case, had talked to multiple victims, had talked to their families. A lot of these women are now my age, you know, 30 years old, because this was happening in the early 2000s when they were 12, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so, essentially, what ended up happening is this guy's facing... Big, big time, like prison time forever. Like if he were well, to, yeah. he's in deep, deep, deep shit. Right. And yes. so he hires this powerful, powerful team of attorneys because he's a multimillionaire and has all the money and power in mm-hmm. the world at his disposal. And one morning, um, Alexander Acosta, who is now the labor secretary, I would like to remind everyone that the labor secretary is in charge of investigating human trafficking as a side note. Let's keep that in mind. It's an important piece of this. Let's keep that in mind. Um, He has breakfast with, um, he's 38 years old. He's a prosecutor coming up in the world. He was appointed as a U.S. attorney by George W. Bush. And he um, had breakfast with Epstein's lawyers. And in this breakfast meeting with Epstein's lawyers, he basically, they basically carved out this really sweetheart of a deal, which basically was a non-prosecution agreement, not a plea deal. It was a non-prosecution agreement. What's the difference between those things? So like a, a, a non-prosecution agreement, according to what I've seen on the news with U.S. attorneys, is very rare. It's essentially an agreement saying we're not going to prosecute. Most of the time when prosecutors don't prosecute, they just, they don't have a case. They don't bring a case, right? right? Like we don't ever see that with our clients where they're like coming up with a non-prosecution agreement. Um, And basically they came up with this non-prosecution agreement that essentially said, we're going to make this all go away for Epstein. We're going to seal all of these case files. We're not going to notify these victims of this non-prosecution agreement which is against the law, okay? So part of being a victim of a crime is you have rights. You have a lot of rights as a victim Mm -hmm. of a crime. And one of those rights is being kept informed about the status of your case. So like, for example, here in Albany County, if our county attorney is going to work out or wants to work out a plea agreement with a perpetrator, the first thing she is going to do or one of the deputies will do is they will have a plea meeting with the victim, with the victim's lawyer, if she has a lawyer, with an advocate, whoever the victim wants at the table to say, this is what we're thinking. We're going to, we're thinking we should offer this plea. This is why we think we should offer a plea, you know, because plea agreements can be great if it's really risky to take a case to trial because you don't have a great victim or the victim's not willing to testify or something like that. You can offer a plea and at least get something, right? right? right. This didn't happen in this case. They didn't notify any of these victims what was going on. And they sealed the case and basically under the table offered him this sweetheart of a deal that gave him 13 months in county jail. I just... And the 13 months in county jail, a majority of that time, six days a week, 12 hours a day, he was on work release, was picked up by a limousine... Okay, and he was able to go to a swanky office that he had set up in Palm Beach so that he could continue to make money as a financier while he was in jail for child sex trafficking. You got to imagine the other people that were in jail prison. I don't remember what you said. Jail. 
in jail. And with he him? had a. It was in a private wing of the jail. He wasn't like in. Okay, with like other say, men who were. Yeah, no, he was. He was very much protected. I was gonna say all the other sex offenders, like they're like, crap. I need a new lawyer because this guy did way worse than I did, and he leaves every morning in a limo. Right. And so basically what Epstein pled guilty to, so part of this deal, this non-prosecution agreement, was that he would plead guilty to two prostitution charges and would receive immunity from all federal charges if he pled guilty to two prostitution charges in state court, so in Florida. I saw that too. So and prostitution meaning that he prostituted or no, that, that he solicited? he solicited. Okay. And then... What was unusual was that the deal included wording that granted immunity to any co-conspirators who were involved in his crimes. There it is. Right? So any accomplices or participants, um, they, they weren't identified in the agreement, but it was open to interpretation and it referred to other influential people who were potentially having sex with underage girls at his home. He has a 727 airplane and had flown with women and they think that a lot of these girls were maybe from other countries Mm. that this could have happened in other countries. You know, I bet that's how he got the deal. I bet that's what happened at breakfast is like they sat down over their caviar omelet, Mm -hmm. you know, mimosas Mm -hmm. flying everywhere. And they're like, said a very few words exchanged, but there was just a list of names Mm -hmm. of highly influential and powerful people. And it's like, this is, these are the people that are going down in this case with me. Right. So what are we going to do? Right. And it's like, Right. And as part of the non-prosecution agreement, um, and despite the victim's rights laws, it was sealed until it was approved by a judge. And so there was no chance that the victims or their families could go to court and try to derail their deal. That the victims or their families could find out about it and go, hey, no, that's not going to work for us. There there was no way because they didn't know about it. And so basically this article goes into pretty... Um, graphic detail. A lot of victims were interviewed for the article and talked about what he did and how he ruined their lives. Um, And, you know, basically Jeffrey Epstein ran around with a lot of really powerful men. He was good friends with Prince Andrew. Oh, sure. Um, He was very good friends with Donald Trump. Um, at one point in the early 2000s, Donald Trump had a party at one of his estates just for him and Epstein. Now get this. This is the creepiest shit you've heard all day. Promise you. I okay, promise I'm ready. you. In I'm this ready. job, this is going to be the creepiest thing you hear all day. Oh, gosh. Okay. They had a party at one of Donald Trump's estates. I don't know if it was Mar-a-Lago or not. But it was just Don and Jeff and a bunch of chicks. There it is. Right. A bunch of calendar girls as they are called, were there with just these two men in their, at the time, 50s, 60s, 50s. That doesn't surprise me at all. And it could have, I'm just picturing these two guys with all these girls, like what the hell? So what you're describing is an orgy. They had an orgy. Basically. And who knows how old these girls were, first of all, I'm just going to say that. Probably some from the case. Right. And he was also very good friends with Bill Clinton. Very good friends with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton flew on his, no, Bill wasn't there for this, but Bill had flown on his jet like 27 times, four or five. He was not accompanied by secret service. So we all know Bill Clinton's around her. I don't know. I'm not saying, but like all, it's kind of funny because this week, all of these um, spokesmen and women for these men have come out and been like, oh no. Like Bill Clinton didn't know anything about anything. Just so you guys know, don't even start with your with your conspiracy theories about President Clinton. He didn't do anything. Do you and, believe that? And Donald Trump was like, "Oh no! Like I don't even like Jeffrey Epstein. We had a fight 15 years ago. I don't oh, even like him very much. So I don't know what I believe, but I don't believe. I don't. I think where there's smoke, there's fire. I think birds of a feather flock together. I think all of these statements wow. are true. Wait, you gotta you gotta put those in three. You know, I know those cute. Little- but I just think like. In my work, we work with, like, normal, low-level perpetrators. They all run together. Yeah, they totally do. Right? And so I don't believe that Jeffrey Epstein was, like, trafficking children and teenage girls and that his homies weren't aware that that was going on and weren't partaking in that. That, I'm just going to say that. Even if they weren't partaking. I don't believe that. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, if you are hanging out, so you are are extremely intelligent men. Mm Mm-hmm. 
high-level government officials, mm-hmm. perhaps presidents. The president. Yes. You're very smart. You have yeah. to be very smart to get the job. Sure. That's part of, Bill that's Clinton's part of the very rule. very smart. That's part of the rule. Well, it used to be. Okay. I'm not going to. That's a whole other It's part of the rule okay. is that you have to be really intelligent. Sure. So even if you took no part in what was happening... There's no way... That you didn't know it was happening. That you didn't know So I don't believe that. Like, I don't believe Bill Clinton's spokesman who said that President Clinton had no idea that Jeffrey Epstein was the way he is. I don't believe that. Right. Um, Because he did it very unapologetically and out... Like, he wasn't um, good about concealing it. And without Secret Service. Right, yeah, people knew. Without Secret Service. So basically, what's happened... Fast forward to today, this week, is Jeffrey Epstein's in jail. He was arrested in the last few days in New York by the Southern District of New York. And if you follow politics and you watch the news, you know the Southern District of New York does not play. They do not come to play. They are extremely aggressive. They are some of the best Mm -hmm. prosecutors in Mm -hmm. the country. Um, And they're going after Epstein because apparently the deal that he struck in Florida, they're not bound by it. Um. And I think that they believe that that Acosta broke the law in, sorry, we have a window open because of the smoke-filled bar we're in. And so you can hear the mail truck. (laughs) Um, They don't, they don't believe that that um, non-prosecution agreement was legal because it was sealed and kept from the victims, which was against the law. So the Southern District of New York went after Epstein, basically argued that he be held without bond because he's a huge flight risk and he has tons of money. Right. Um, they went through his, with a search warrant, went through his Manhattan townhome that is ridiculously huge and found tons of pornographic images, photographs, videos of, of what, the girls, of girls, so what, they, what they, yeah. what they believe to be prepubescent girls because Epstein liked girls who looked very young. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yes. And so it's clear that these girls are not. 19, right? They're 14 years old, some of them younger, maybe. Um, So he's in a lot of trouble. And the president is dealing with a PR nightmare once again. Yeah. Well, the soup du jour, right? This is that's like just this week. The nightmare is now that he has a cabinet member who basically gave this guy a sweetheart of a deal and Epstein walked after 13 months in jail where he was on work release for six days a week and has been out for the last 10 years, God knows what he's done in the last 10 years to other girls around the the country, around the world. Yeah. More of the same. The story is so multifaceted because I think there's so many different pieces. Like we, we look at marginalized communities with these girls who had no resources that were conned into this. We look at, people in ex- with extensive power who don't have to follow the rules, you know, then we have like situations in which justice is not served. And for me, that's what I'm thinking about right now in that he Epstein did these terrible things. And in his head, he's probably at some point, like, regardless of if I think this is wrong or right, it's against the law, mm-hmm. you know? And so I have to be sneaky about it. And the law completely bent over backwards for him. Right. And so now he got a really cushy deal and, and he's almost validated in doing what he's doing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The rules don't apply to him. This is why we get so nervous a lot of times when we have danger, dangerous offenders in our work, when they go to trial, like a sexual assault case that we had recently that he was found not guilty right? and he was really scary. And it gets scary for me because once that that verdict is handed like not guilty and we know the things he's done it's like he's going to be so much more emboldened and empowered to do these things and just escalate right escalate his behavior right and i feel like that's the same with epstein like there's no way of knowing what he did after he got away with all of this no there's no way of yeah no and i'm sure that he just got better at trying to hide what he was doing Right, he figured out what worked and what didn't work. Right. Um, so basically, Alexander Acosta has been 
trying to figure out how not to lose his job because the the president is being urged by people in his own administration, including his chief of staff, to fire Acosta because this is not something they want to deal with. Um, Republicans have been silent about this. Democrats, of course, are jumping all over it. Um, Which I also hate. Because, because it's a, I mean, it's, a, it's an easy thing to jump all over, right? But I, I also hate that, too, because it's like we're making sexual assault partisan. Well, sure. You know what I mean? And it shouldn't be. Right. It shouldn't be. Um, so basically yesterday Acosta did a press conference and talked about how they, it was kind of funny. He talked about how like 2007 was a different time. Mm-hmm. And um, by saying that as a sexual assault professional, you mean that he's trying to say like 2007 was a time before the Me Too movement. It was a time before sexual assault was like, really, you know, a big topic of conversation. And back in, you know, the 2007s, um, people were not going to be quick to convict and, and, you know, a person of of sexual assault, especially of a child, which we know is garbage. We know that is crap. This was not the 1960s. 2007 was not that long ago. Well, that's what I was going to say. When in 2007, I was 13. Sure. And so I expected this to be happening to me. Sure. In junior high, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, it's 2007. It's it's normal. It's 2007. I better go hop on this jet. Right, right. And he basically said, like, we didn't have, he said, I'm really glad to see that the SDNY has taken this up now with all of this new evidence. And basically this investigative journalist who is fierce, this Julie K. Brown, came out and tweeted and was like, no. You had all the evidence. You had all the evidence you mm-hmm. needed. You had a 53-page indictment. You had all these victims. You had flight records. You had photographs. Like, you had everything Slam you needed. Dunk. Yeah, you had people who worked for Epstein, who who had been interviewed, who, who confirmed that this was going on. So don't even go there with you didn't have evidence. Like, don't even. And Acosta is saying this. Acosta was saying, like, well, I'm really glad. Like, very disingenuous. I'm really glad that now now he's going to get what he deserves because we have new Mm -hmm. evidence. We have the tools now to do this. Yeah. So, basically, you know, you can – I would recommend that you read the article if you're interested. Yeah, we'll post it, too. Um, We'll post it. It's a Miami Herald article. Um, because it's, it's very heart wrenching and a lot of these victims get to speak their truth in the article, which I think is really, um, really powerful. Um, Julie K. Brown included in the article where they talked, she, so they're back in 2007, they didn't have text messages like they do now. They had emails. So she recovered all these emails from all of these different attorneys, um, basically talking about how they were going to make sure that the press was not involved in this, that nobody found out about it, um, that they would, you know, block the non-prosecution agreement from ever getting out into the press and the media. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, this is what money and power buy, Mm -hmm. buy you, right? And all I could think about when I was reading the article and then watching all of the coverage in the last few days, and it's been all over the news about this, is um, Khalid Browder mm-hmm. and how, you know, he was in Rikers for three years mm-hmm. for, for falsely being falsely yep. accused of stealing a backpack and that on this documentary that's on Netflix, it talked about how the majority of men who are in prison in at Rikers and around the country owe less than a thousand dollars bail. Right. And he was kept in solitary confinement, tortured. Um, it was horrible. So all I could think about was that, and just the 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 in the United States of America that. People who are poor or who are brown or who are otherwise just not a person of privilege, mm-hmm. how the justice system looks for people like that compared to someone like Jeffrey Epstein or R. Kelly, um, who just get away with unconscionable crimes and just buy their way out of it. Yeah. I, I was... It's just sickening. I was talking... 
there was a conversation about oppression and privilege with this group of people. And one, one thing that came up was this guy, he had said, like, I, I didn't directly witness this, but I, I heard he said, um, you know, the United States talks a lot about all of the inequality and, and what's happening and how it's not fair. But I truly believe that 90% of the time, everything works out just great. Hmm. 90% of the time, everything is fine. And I think the stuff that gets put in the news is obviously like the, the, the worst of the worst. And that's why we hear about it. And I think it's so the opposite of that. Yeah, it is. The stuff we hear about in the news is just the stuff that makes it. Yep. It's like 1% of the stuff that's actually happening. Yep. Well, and what I think is kind of frustrating and, um, so there was like eight Democrats or something that voted to, um, that voted to confirm Acosta as a secretary of labor. Um, because the first guy that they had nominated was atrocious of evidently. And so I think they were just like, okay, at least someone who's not psychotic is mm-hmm. going to be. And so now all of those people are saying he has to resign. He has to resign. Like this is unacceptable. He has to resign. And I think the thing for me that I find gross and annoying is that people have known about this Mm -hmm. and this guy was appointed or confirmed in like 2017 or something. And so I'm just like, why, like now that this is a story and now that America knows and people who aren't just savvy to his record know he has to resign. Cause I don't understand why you guys voted to confirm him in the first place. If you knew that this is how he handled this case. And they did know because they questioned him about it at his confirmation hearing. He was questioned by a Democratic lawmaker about the 13-month jail sentence with six days a week being, you know, out on work release and all this stuff with Epstein. And so it is just it is just another example of like political, it's just being a polit it's just a political t- I think he should resign, absolutely. I don't think he should have ever been confirmed in the first place. And I find it disingenuous that all of these lawmakers are now calling for his resignation when they voted for him, when right. they knew. Right. Right. So that's just, I don't even know how that, that's just annoying to me. I I mean, maybe this is a little too transparent for the podcast. I'm going to regret saying this, but it's stories like this and things over the past couple of years Mm -hmm. that I feel so discouraged and unsupported. Mm Yeah. I feel I'm like almost getting to the point where I'm like, what is justice? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like who decides what justice is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like this is astounding to me. Yeah, me too. Me too. 13 months. Mm -hmm. And they just did away with all of the child. I mean, I don't think he, the, none of, none of the time that he served was for trafficking kids. It was for prostitution. And so I think, well, I think, first of all, I think he's, he's screwed. I mean, I think the Southern District of New York is going to nail him to the wall. I really do. And I, I don't know if that's because they have really good prosecutors in that office who genuinely care about justice for victims, or if it's because it's such a national story mm-hmm. that they they, have they can't let it go. Money can't buy him out of this. I don't know. Um, and I also think that there are a lot of powerful men in America and around the world that are going to have a lot of explaining to do because I don't believe that they're going to be protected. And I think that it's going to come out. That well, they maybe that's had what I, a part to play in this. Maybe that's what I need to focus on more. Like, why didn't this happen the first time? But the, mm-hmm. the fact it's happening now. Yeah. And that so many, the people that should have been implicated Weren't. will now be implicated. And I don't believe they'll be protected. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who those men are. But You really think, if, think if there was there evidence that Bill Clinton was involved. No, let's, let's even say differently. The most untouchable man in the United States. Mm-hmm. If Donald Trump is implicated in this, you really think that that he will have any... I mean, I don't know. Because there have been so many allegations of sexual assault against sure. Donald Trump already that have fallen sure. away. I think in doing the work that we do, I think there is a very stark contrast between allegations of sexual assault coming from grown women and allegations coming from children. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think 
I mean, that's why I think people are so outraged about this case is that, you know, Epstein did this to young girls. Mm -hmm. He didn't do this supposedly to adult women. I mean, I'm guessing he's victimized adult women, but it, that's not who people care about. And we all know that child crimes, child sex crimes Mm -hmm. are a lot easier sell than crimes against adults. And so I, like when we, like a few years ago in Albany County, we were talking about building a family justice center here. And one of the things we were told by national technical assistance providers was if you can sell it to your local politicians as a child advocacy center first and build from that, that's going to be a lot easier sell than selling it as a center for domestic violence and sexual assault survivors who are over 18, basically. And so I think people care more about crimes against children than they do about sex crimes against women who are 24 years old. Right. Um, And most of the accusers of, of these men, Donald Trump, President Clinton, have been grown women. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that looks like if something comes out that's credible, right? That there's evidence of that they participated in crimes against a 14, 15, 16-year-old child. Yeah. I have no idea what that looks like. According to everything I've heard, a sitting president can't be indicted, right? Like that's according yeah. to the Department of Justice. Yeah. I don't even know. But I do think that there are a lot of rich and powerful men, many of whom are probably very famous, who are shaking in their boots right now because they're going to get found out. Yeah. And even if they don't get criminally charged, if they didn't, they're going to get found out. Right. Right. And you don't want to be somebody who's like hanging around with mm-hmm. Jeffrey Epstein. Right. Cause he's gross. That's going to change. And he yeah. is donated to the Clinton foundation. He has been, I mean, he's, it's, it was it was an issue in 2016 when Hillary Clinton was running for president that her husband was friends with Jeffrey Epstein. I so, I mean, I don't know, but it mm-hmm. could get really ugly for a lot of people. Well, and I think, and I hope it does because they deserve it if they had anything to do with any of this. In my opinion, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. If you had anything to do with any of this, right? You just I to agree go with down. you. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's really easy to. So we are both, like, we are news people, we are politics people, yep. and we stay up to date on that. And so for me, like, sometimes I get pulled into sure. that of, like, what does this look like nationally? What does this look like for our leaders? Blah, 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 whatever. But this article does such a good job bringing it back to the individual victims. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's this account from, from this sweet girl named Michelle from 2004, and it kind of talks about her experience and one part that really stuck out to me as I was reading it was like it says she's she encounters these like very graphic sexual acts you know like stuff is happening and it's really scary and she talks about being really scared and the part that really got me all prickly was it says after he, after he finished, he stood up and walked to the shower, dismissing her as if she had been in history class. Mm. Like, the only thing that she could relate it to was her experience... In school. In school. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like... It wasn't like he asked me to leave, or it was... My job was done here, or whatever. It was. It was as if going back to school, like history class, the bell rang, and... You're just supposed to leave. Right. That is The interesting part, too, is that these victims' stories were very, this is graphic, but were very, very consistent, even down to describing Mm -hmm. what his genitalia looked like. Right. These girls were very, um, it's impossible to not believe them because they all said the same stuff. Absolutely. Well, and it it mentions that. In such detail. It mentions that. It talks about, like, is this a he said, she said? And it's not because I think the direct line from this article, which is exactly right, is he said, she said, it's not that. It's, it's, there's one he and 50 she's. Right. It's like Bill Cosby. all of their stories are the same. Right. Right. It, in the article, it talks about who he would buy them. We had talked about the grooming and it says he might have rented a car for a young girl to make it more convenient for her to stop by and cater to him. So he'd rent mm-hmm. her like a fancy car. Mm-hmm. One time he sent a bucket of roses to the local high school after one of his girls had starred in a stage production. 
and the delivery instructions and a report card for one of the girls was discovered in his trash. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. He counseled them about their schooling and told them he would help them to get into college, that he would pay for them to go to modeling school or fashion design school. It's almost paternal in a way. You know what I mean? Yep. It's almost, and, and we talked about that, like he promises safety and he is safe and he's going to care for them and provide for them almost in the way you'd expect a parent to. Mm-hmm. Like these things you're hearing are things that it wouldn't surprise me to have somebody say that their dad was going to do. Send them flowers after, after they start in a show or, you know, be happy with their grades or help them pursue college get them a car so they can get where they need to go. I mean, that's go. what R. Kelly did. Mm-hmm. And we will podcast about that eventually because it's, right. it's totally. horrific. But he did the same crap. He promised to make them famous. You know, they were... Aaliyah was 15 when he married her. 15 years old. And he promised to make her famous. He would, he would abuse and assault these young, talented women. And they would... They would continue seeing him and they would, they would spend time around him because he was R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. And he was the most famous R&B star of the 90s. I remember R. Kelly when I was in junior high. He was everything. I believe I can fly was like at every school dance I ever went to. Mm-hmm. Same thing. He promised them. Because when men who are in power have power, they can make all these promises. And right. these young girls, and even in R. Kelly's case, a lot of young women Mm -hmm. believed that. Yeah. Which is why we so casually reference all the time, how gender-based violence is always rooted in power and control. Mm -hmm. Always, always, always. And so when we throw that out, it's because there are stories like this and R. Kelly and every domestic violence case we've ever worked on ever Mm -hmm. that it comes back to the power and control. Mm -hmm. Every time with R. Kelly, with Epstein. One girl was 16 or 17 and said that at one point she had gone to give him a massage and he wanted to have sex with her. And she said no. And he raped her. Mm. And then he apologized and gave her a thousand dollars. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Here's a thousand bucks. Oh, I misread that right. situation. And so Crap. the article says this This is really important. Most of the girls came from disadvantaged families, single parent homes or foster care. So they would find these girls at the mall or at um, local like house parties, the park, like they, they found them where kids hang out. Some had experienced troubles that belied their ages. They had parents and friends who committed suicide, mothers abused by husbands and boyfriends, fathers who molested and beat them. One girl had watched her stepfather strangle her eight year old stepbrother, according to court records obtained by the Miami Herald. Many of them were almost homeless. And this girl says, we were stupid, poor children. And she didn't want to be named. She said she was 14 and a high school freshman. We just wanted money for school clothes, for shoes. Oh, I remember shoes wearing shoes too tight for me for three years in a row. We had no family and no guidance. And we were told that we were going to just sit in a room topless and he was going to look at us. And it sounded so simple and it was going to be easy money. And all we were going to have to do was sit there. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then she said that she went to his home multiple times and that girls would come out crying. Like it was amazing the amount of girls that were coming and going from this guy's house. Well, and, and I think that's interesting too, because that's why I'm not going to pronounce this name correctly, but Yasmin Vafa, mm-hmm. um, who was a human rights attorney and a director of a, a women's program. She, she says it's outrageous how they minimized the crimes and devalued the victims by calling them prostitutes. Because yep. Like, obviously, these kids are not prostitutes, no. you know? They are, as right. you described, really, really vulnerable children. Right. Children cannot be prostitutes no. in the eyes of the law. There's no such thing as child prostitution. It is sex trafficking of right. a child. Like, there is no... And, and, and the girls were instructed sometimes by their recruiters, the women that he had, the mm-hmm. girls he had recruiting them, to lie to him about their ages. And tell him that they were 18, even though he knew they weren't because he wanted them younger and younger. But he was trying to cover his own ass by saying, well, I thought they were 18, which we know is like a regular defense of perpetrators of children. Absolutely, It is not a defense 
It is not in the state of Florida and in most in Wyoming. I don't know if it's in every state, but like not realizing that this girl was under 18 is not a defense to sexual assault. Nope. It doesn't make it go away, but they tried his attorneys tried to say, well, he thought they were 18. They said they were 18. And they, which is how they got the prostitution charges to stick and nothing else. Maybe. Because now he's just paying an adult for sex. Right. But he demanded that they be young. And one of the recruiters said that he told them he wanted them as young as he could find them. And that as she grew older and started to lose her ability Mm -hmm. to find young girls, he would get angry with her because she couldn't find these young girls who had braces and who were prepubescent. Right. Right. Um, Hello Kitty shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, picture girls that you would see at Mm -hmm. like a junior high middle school. That's what he wanted. Yeah. 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 So this, I don't know where it will go. I would suggest that if you are into this kind of work, you know, if you're interested in sexual assault, domestic violence, you know, crimes against children work, that you follow this case closely because it's going to be interesting. I'm looking at, I don't know if, I assume this is some sort of like mugshot. This is so creepy. Look at this. Oh, I know. That's his, um, oh, and he was, um, according to what I had heard, was supposed to, like, visit probation and parole or register, re-register every, like, 90 days because he's a sex offender. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't. Right. And he got away with that, too. Well, like, why Why would he have to? Like, do you just not, you don't have to go he and re-register? Rich people don't have rules. They don't have rules. No. No, they do not. So I would just like to say on my soapbox that we think about like people who are like, there are people sitting in jail forever Mm -hmm. because of pot and because of heroin. Right. And because of low level crimes. And I would argue that the worst crimes, some of the worst crimes that are happening in our country that are affecting our kids White collar crime that are affecting your bank account mm-hmm. are happening right under our noses by rich and powerful men who are buying their way out of jail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's a problem. And everybody should care about that. Absolutely. Jeffrey Epstein, acute, um, he once, com- so when he was accused of being a serial abuser, he compared his crimes to stealing a bagel. What? Mm-hmm. That's what it, it says that right here. He once compared his alleged crimes to stealing a bagel. And so if you are Jeffrey Epstein and you are white and you are rich and you are privileged, sexual assault of 500 million Mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. Okay, 50, whatever. Might as well be 500 million. Right. Yeah. Is just the same as stealing a bagel. However, if you are poor, if you are a person of color, and if you have no privilege and you are carrying marijuana, it might as well be a, a life sentence. Sure. And that is that is 2019. Yep. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. This is this, turned, this took a dark turn. And so, like, we can talk a lot uh-huh. for, like, Libby and I could talk for hours about, like, equality in our country mm-hmm. and how I'm going to say something controversial, but I'm going to say it. I don't believe that our flag covers everybody the same. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, when people get upset, when people are talking about inequality and people are kneeling for the anthem and all that stuff. I mean, this is the kind of crap that goes on in this country. And until everyone opens their eyes and is willing to have a conversation about that and get upset about that, nothing will change. Mm -hmm. And that is not the kind of America that I think any of us want to raise our children in. No. Because that sucks. Mm Mm-hmm. But that is my soapbox. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we're both on the same page here. I was like, this people might a, not like to hear that. But I was going to say this took kind of a dark turn, but yeah. I think I think I mean we are both pretty open on the podcast. Yeah. People know people know what's going on and how we feel about stuff, and I think it's fair for the people that listen to know that we are a little politically exasperated. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's okay. And I think that this is just. This has been so, I told Libby, like, we have to podcast about this this week Mm -hmm. because this is just such a prime example Mm -hmm. of the corruption that's happening in this country Mm -hmm. right under your nose. Like, this is it, that you can be a multimillionaire and buy your way out of a lifetime sentence for sex trafficking children. 
Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable to me. It's astounding. That's unreal. So people should just really like open their eyes and, and care a lot. Yeah. Cause this kind of crap is happening and it is, it is not okay. And I think part of the reason that it continues to happen is because people don't know what's happening. Sure. Mm-hmm. People don't. Right. So if that is you and you are a person that's like, whoa, what mind is this? blown. Does this, this sure. happens in the United States? It does. Yeah. You know, Maybe look into it. And we will post the article. Yeah. The Miami Herald article. Yeah. So that you can read the original article that this journalist was even credited by the Southern District of New York for opening this investigation. He said, we would, we've been helped by very a very good investigative journalist. Yeah, girl. So she, I mean, this is why we have to have a free press. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's like, what would have happened if she hadn't ever looked into this? Right. Would this be happening right now? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, she blew it wide open again. So kudos to her. Seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. Big fan of Julie K. Brown. Julie K. Brown. She is fierce. She's she's on our hall. We, we need a, a wall a of fame. A wall of, yeah, we really do. <gasps> Are you standing up because you're in labor? Oh, man. Oh. That was That was, that was startling. a real false alarm. Darn it. Well, one more hour without Katrina having the baby. That's what this was. I cannot believe you just stood up so casually like you were about to deliver that baby and I would have won everything. <laughs> Isn't that sad for you? Are you disappointed? That was so rude. Isn't that sad for you? It is. It's sad for Libby. Okay, fair enough. Today, if Libby goes to bed and there's no baby, she's going to be really sad. And you're going to be really happy because that just means you're closer to winning. Yeah, because my bet is not today. My bet is Sunday. Well. We'll keep, because next week, we will know. Next week, she definitely will have had the baby. You will have had the baby next week. Yeah, but next week when we podcast, we can let all of our listeners know who won the bet. I won. Okay. That I won. Didn't win. That I won right now. (laughs) Are you doing some squats? Okay. (laughs) I read that exercise is important, so I'm really. (laughs) We're going to go for a jog later. (laughs) She's going to put Katrina on a treadmill. That's right. Oh, boy. Well, um, thank you for listening to this yeah. sad story. This was an interesting <sighs> podcast. Yeah. I mean, they we did a are. lot of reflecting and ranting and some laughing. I hope that I hope that they like the ranting. I if feel not, like, I'm, I'm glad you don't work with me if you don't, because this is all I true, do. But and I, I'm glad you're not married to me as well, because <laughs> this is all I do. <laughs> I feel like the trend that our podcast is taking is more like us just getting annoyed and ranting. Well, we are annoyed. And that's fine. And everyone's annoyed. I, I think most people think so, in this yeah. country are a little annoyed. At something. At something. Yeah. It's a little annoying what's going on. Well, if you hate our ranting, please let us know. And Or just don't listen. Because it's not going to stop. Well, I'm just saying. It is, it is unrealistic gonna, that we will stop yeah, ranting. No. That's not and realistic. If you love our ranting or if you hate our ranting, regardless. Either way, feel free to let us know. Let us know. Yeah. Go go to iTunes and rate our podcast. Yep. Um, we don't know. Share what on you social like media. Unless you tell friends. us. So. Yeah. And if you are ever in need of an advocate, no matter where you are, give our hotline a call and we can connect you where you need to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. It's 307-745-3556. That's right. Yep. Call us anytime, 24 hours a day, and we can get you where you need to be. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go pull this baby out of Katrina. Okay. Um, so have a great day. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs>